Hello and welcome to episode 905 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 16th. I'm your host, Paul Smore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm quite well. It is draft season, man. I mean, it's been my answer the last few times because we're in the midst of it. I feel like I got a draft. I'm either in the midst of one or got one on deck. I just finished Beat Paul Spores on Friday and yesterday afternoon. So everything's everything's going well. Yeah, I don't have my Beat Justin Mason League until, God, I, th- I think another week and a half or something like that. So... Uh, still, uh, still time to get in if people want to get in. I think there's still eight spots. Um, but yeah. Well, and what, what is the date and time of this? 3.28 at 4 p.m. Eastern. Okay, we so can fill a, this. Yeah, it's a Sunday uh, afternoon, you know, the one right before the the start of the season. So I'm sure it'll fill. Uh, yeah, people, it, no, it definitely will. But we'll see if we can fill it with folks we know. Yeah, yeah, that's more fun. We I've got... Billy Hayes, you know, in there. He, he, he was in mine yesterday. Yeah, so uh, he was my main event partner last year and, uh, uh, you know, fan of the show. Uh, another guy who's uh, a fan of the show um, that reached out uh, that wanted to uh, play in a league against me. And I was like, hey, unless you want to play a $1,700 main event, this is this is the only option. This is your shot. <laughs> so, because uh, I've, I've just got the OC got tout wars this weekend and then two main events and i think i'm done drafting so uh gonna end up you know unless i get pulled into another draft which is when always, you get pulled yeah, in. always possible yeah 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 it's it's is darn near likely yeah billy was in the draft yesterday along with dusty wagner colin weatherwax pulled him out of retirement a couple people from my twitch chat so we we had a nice we had a nice difficult group and uh, unsurprisingly, Colin, Dustin, uh, Dusty, and uh, Billy and the Chatter were in the top five, along with me. So you know, as far as the, as far as the grading goes on the on the fantasy pros, they like they liked where we were at. I feel pretty good about both beat Paul's Sports. I I was talking on um, Discord with my friends yesterday. I was like, nothing better than a freshly drafted team because you, you don't hate it yet. You got all these you got all these dreams for it. You're like, how? I'm gonna hate this at some, but how? how? How's it gonna? How's it gonna fail and disappoint me? Because you know that's going to happen. Because we look at some teams in May and we're like, "How did I draft this crap?" <laughs> but as it stands, you know, after you draft, you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I like what I did here." But anyway, we got plenty of news and notes, and then we're gonna talk about biggest ADP movers in a uh, in a different setup. Um, you've been doing the great market reports, which are, are looking kind of micro uh, at, at the moves as they're happening kind of weeks over week, uh, week over week. And I'm going to be doing, we're doing something bigger here with it's uh, October 1st through February 28th is one group versus March, March 1st March through March 15th. How much are they moving basically in March versus that fall and winter uh, uh, market price that they had? So just kind of taking uh, some of your work and and looking at the larger differences there. So we'll do bigger movers, biggest movers up today, biggest movers down on Thursday. But let's start with some news. Michael Franco headed to Baltimore. I would say to get a locked in job, but Rio Ruiz is there and he is the lefty. So I, I'm reluctant to say that it's a locked in job, but he's played a lot. 
he, he you know, kind of knows the lay of the land, he certainly has an opportunity to get a full-time role. Is this putting Michael Franco on your board at all? It's definitely putting him on my board. I mean, and I know some people are like, well, you know, it's he's never quite lived up to the hype. And, and that can still true. be true. Uh, and he can still be a very usable player, especially in like 15, you know, mixed yep. uh, leagues. I mean, the projection systems haven't really updated yet for the move to Baltimore because I don't think it's finalized. I don't think it's official, official, yeah. But, uh, you know, most of the projection systems had him for half a season and like 15 home runs. So you kind of give him maybe another 200 plate appearances on top of the 340 that they were giving him. And you're looking at a guy who's going to hit like 22 home runs, 250 batting average, uh, in a pretty darn good place to hit. And a lineup that is kind of underrated. I don't think that's I agree. enough credit. So I agree. There's, there, you know, there's some, there's some capability there, uh, especially at the, you know, kind of the top half. They're starting to, they're starting to put it together to where it's, it can, it can move a bit, um, especially in the summer in Camden. That's the thing. Give me a summer in Camden with somebody, um, in my lineup and I'm, I'm going to feel pretty good about it. You know, he's reached 22 homers, three different times, 22 or more. Um, he's put up some decent batting average. He's a career 252 with some two seventies in there. I wonder if Camden might help that he was eight homers and two seventy eight. Michael Franco was back in 2020, 2020, he played all 60 games. So, you know, I agree. He's never lived up and I'm somebody who's had expectations of him. I uh, love a guy with his power who doesn't strike out. So I've been kind of, waiting and hoping for some more, but it hasn't come. I'm not sure that this is going to foster a breakout for Michael Franco going to Baltimore, but it does bring him into 15 team mixers, like you said, and that's enough for me to get him on the board and, and take a look. I don't know that it's going to be a straight platoon, platoon with Rio Ruiz just because of how much experience Michael Franco has at, at kind of being the guy. Um, and so, you know, he doesn't have a platoon split either. He's, he's damn near even nine points. That's nothing. You know, that's, that's basically doing the same first righties and first lefties. In fact, the, it favors the righties with nine, the 739 against them, 730 against lefties. It's solid. Um, so yeah, he's kind of a solid average guy and adding him to the lineup smart by Baltimore. I thought it was good, good pickup there and doesn't totally cancel out real Ruiz who's 27 and they kind of have some hopes for him. Yeah, but I mean, Ruiz has really struggled during spring, so I think that, you know, maybe Ruiz gets kind of the first shot because Franco needs to kind of get up to speed and stuff. Sure, uh, sure. But, but I think Franco eventually yeah. nabs that. And, and I think that there's opportunities for him to play together with Ruiz, whether it's, um, you know, putting Mountcastle in the outfield and uh, Ruiz or Franco at first. Actually, I don't know if Franco's ever played first. I don't I like think, to put that I mean, on guys they, that have. They could move oh yeah, Mancini to first and and DH, you know Ruiz. So I mean, yeah, it's, there's, yeah, there's options. There's some maneuverability that they both play. Bottom line, I'm putting Franco on my board uh, for 15 teamers, especially. All right, the flavor of this spring training has been one Bobby Witt Jr. and he is making noise. And Justin, I've drafted him twice. Uh, and, wow. Okay. I know. I know. But this, this is, this is looking like Tatis for me and I don't want to miss out or at least the Tatis possibility. I don't want to say straight away that it's Tatis because we know how that turned out and we know that he ended up being up. There are some differences. Sure. Based on where Tatis had gotten to 
prior to this is probably the biggest difference. And do I really expect Bobby Witt Jr. to break camp? I, I don't, but I think it's a worthy shot, and then he can be my first cut. Um, I, I don't know that the, the last or third to last player, he was the last player in my, my, in my draft yesterday. Um, I, I don't know that there's such a good player out there that I have to get that taking him is a problem. I, I, think, I think he's a better bet than Wander Franco, who generally goes earlier. And so I'm taking my shot on Witt. Like I said, with Tatis Jr., he had reached double A by that point and had 88 games there to, to show what, what he could do. But, but they were the same age. So, you know, a couple 20-year-olds really just showing how great they are. I don't think it's impossible that Bobby Witt Jr. finds his way into the major leagues in April at some point. Um, and if they can't get like a long-term deal done and just take them from day one, he's just playing so well that I think it's worth one of your last two picks. That, that's all I'm saying. I, I don't have a high percentage on this, um, but I do think that, you know, 355 ADP in, in the OCs, which are 12 teamers, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine taking the shot at, at basically a 30th rounder. Uh, what do you think about Bobby Wood Jr. and his huge spring? I I love him long term. I think he is uh, going to be a very very good player and maybe even a stud at the major league level. Uh, he's you know all the reports on him you know from from the guys like Eric Loganhagen who kind of troll around the backfields in Arizona um, have been just phenomenal. That he is uh, you know got plenty of power. He's got speed. Uh, he's, his defense is going to be good enough where he sticks it short. Uh, I think his hit tool will be average, which is fine for a power hitter. Uh, so, like, I do think long-term he's going to be a very, very good fantasy player. I would caution people thinking that he's going to be up before July. Um, you know, I mean, maybe June at the earliest. I think part of the issue is going to be that, you know, he did not get real games last year because of the pandemic sure. and yeah. the minor league system is, or the minor league uh, games are going to be delayed. So they're going to have the alternate sites that he's not going to get a chance. To I think that helps him more to maybe get called up because he's playing against more closer to major league. I, yeah, I think, and I think maybe just, you know, if he's at the alt site, still doing it two weeks in, like, all right, let's just give you a shot here. Um, I think maybe Casey getting off to a fast start would help because I think they're not, you know, they're not out of bounds as, as fringe, uh, wildcard two contenders, which I know is not a ringing endorsement, but I'm not trying to go over the top with it. I'm just saying they have a ball club that could make some noise, you know, and listen, 333, 379, 667 with three homers and 27 at bats. I'm not here saying that there's a big chance saying as your last pick in a 30-round draft, the fact that there's even a chance merits the pick. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to do it in a 30-round draft. In a 50-round draft and hold, um, I could see doing it. And, I mean, if you've got larger benches in your league than a traditional league, uh, then maybe that's a, a worthy gamble. And I think, you know... I think this may be counterintuitive to some people, but I think I'd rather do it 
in a 12-team league than a 15-team league. And I think some people are like, well, there, there's there's more players draft in a 15-team league. Yeah, but there's less replacement value on sure. the pool. So yeah. if you do need to drop him because he doesn't come up or because your team just runs into problems, you're going to have a better pool of players to pick from. Yeah, um, and that's what I did. I did it in a 12 and I mean, I'd do it in a 15 too if it's late enough. If people start driving him up, obviously I'll, I'll peel back. But as long as it's in that uh, 350 range of overall pick, you, you just can't tell me that, like, oh man, you got to get Kike Hernandez or Jerickson Profar. Those were guys that went in the last round when I when I took Wit. Like, no, I don't. Not in a 12 teamer. Like, th- those players are fine. Um, I, I've been known to take either of them. But I don't need them over the shot that Wit is the next Tatis, and that's all we're looking at here. Because when Tatis was popping off in spring, I was kind of ignoring it. So I'm just not—I'm not making the same mistake here again, and I'm just uh, arming myself just in case he might be my first cut. Wit might, uh, Bobby Wit might be my first cut in that league without because if he doesn't make it, I don't know that I'm going to stick around and try to yeah. try to hold until whenever. If and he signs a deal. Well, yeah, then it's game then, over. Yeah, then it's game over. Yeah, but I just I just don't. I mean, he's never played above rookie ball, um, which is, you know, uh, a, a bit troubling. I think they're going to want him to do some sort of progressions. Maybe they sure. start in double A. I would think so, too. Yeah, and I think double A is where he should start. And then if he goes Juan Soto on that ass, he's up in a couple weeks. I'll hold him as long as I can, you know. I, I just I just don't see why it's not worth taking the shot that he's the next big star here on um, uh, on, a, on the youth movement that we've seen in the league where teams are less – and they're one of the teams that's less afraid to call guys up. Look what they did with their pitching yeah, last they, year. They, they weren't competing in any, Yeah, they weren't competing in any capacity, and they let Bubich and Singer come up, and they had good results with it. So I just think there's enough of a chance, and it's a small chance. That's the thing. I grant that it is a very small chance, but it is enough that it's worth doing it late because you might have the next Tatis. And if there's a 10% chance of that, there's another, there's another Mike, um, well, Michael Franco also went late in that draft. Um, but there's another jerks and profile on the wire that I can get. So, so why not is, is really where I'm at with it. And I can't, I haven't heard a good argument as to why not. Um, Scott Kingery, Joey Wendell, Tommy LaStella, Jonathan Scope, Starlin Castro, Luis Arise, Willie Adamas. I, I can keep going. Like, are they any different than Kike Hernandez and Jerickson Profar? Are you, would, are they not in that same group? I mean, yeah, I, I see the argument. I, I don't think I would do it. I don't think it's I, – I mean, could it pay off huge? Absolutely. Um, but could it pay off – was it much more likely to not pay off at all? Absolutely. So who cares though? There, what, what's the opportunity cost? Is is the point? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's fair. Right. Especially like I said, in a twelve team league where you've got the replacement value, you yeah. can go get the Jonathan Scopes off the waiver wire uh, to replace him. So uh, I'd say, given the possible ROI, it doesn't make sense not to do it. Personally, that's where I'm at. And I know, rookie ball, and he wasn't even very good in rookie ball, Bobby Witt Jr. is who we're talking about. So, listen, I understand the odds. Uh, I want to be clear that I do not think this is a high percentage play. But the fact that it's a non-zero is the point here. Let's move on. We don't need to belabor it. 
uh, I did expertly in showing how great of a decision it was. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Let's talk Cincy, man, because uh, they've got a guy who might be forcing some things. Well, it, it, it's, we got twofold here. One, their uh, their situation at short is not great, Bob. Two, they've got a, a prospect of their own who does have more experience uh, in the minors who wouldn't be out of bounds to kind of push forward here despite only playing at double A um, and, you know, doing all right with it. Uh, that could force an interesting move here. So this week, they're going to put Eugenio Suarez at short and Mike Moustakis at third because their second baseman of the future, at least in their eyes, Jonathan India, is having a hell of a spring. He's out of his mind. 331, 481, excuse me, 333, 481, 571 in 21 at-bats with a homer, three walks, six strikeouts, and a steal. Big-time prospect um, who's really fallen off uh, in, in the prospect market a bit based on some, you know, a lack of growth relative to his expectations. Jonathan India was a number five overall pick. Yeah, he was the fifth overall pick in 2018. And he's now, you know, now falling down to seventh in just the red system. When at this point, it, he was expected to maybe be like top 10 in baseball. Um, and I don't even think he's on the top 100. He's not. So he's fallen, he's fallen off a bit as far as how people have seen him develop and, and where he's at with everything. But I do wonder if maybe he's, he's kind of getting some of that shine back or if it's just a hot run. Bottom line is they're looking at some different things here. I think it's at least worth uh, noting that, that they're putting Suarez back at short, Moose over at third, and opening up the potential that they could do something like this. Uh, I don't know what the Reds are doing. I mean, and, and then this is like, it, this whole situation is weird. Like, Eugenio Suarez should not be playing shortstop. And I know he's in like the fine. best life or best career or best shape of his career. I can't even say it. It's so ridiculous. It's I like, he was not a good shortstop in Detroit defensively. Um, and now you're asking him years later to play it. Uh, I don't think he forgot how to play shortstop. I know, but like, so they've got so many ground ball pitchers. Like, I just so afraid. Like this, I dropped Luis Castillo in my ranks. Not like a ton, um, but I did. Um, and I, I uh, this, this. I mean, I like Mustakis moving back over to third because I think that's a more natural position for him. Um, I just don't understand like what the Reds are doing. Like they want to hold down like costs and stuff like that, but they're going to promote, they're going to potentially lose a year of eligibility or use, lose a year of control on India. Um, he's 24. What are you saving that for? You know how far out that is? Yeah, I guess. So if he's ready, sense. he's ready. Like he's a college really... product who has like kind of, kind of developed a little slowly. Mm -hmm. If they see some things here that is isn't just a hot sample in spring and maybe more of some changes coming together to where he looks like the prospect that he was when they drafted him. I, I loved him coming out of college. I thought Jonathan India mm -hmm. was an absolute he G. Was, he was the first overall pick in many fantasy first year uh, fantasy drafts, including uh, mine in TDGX, uh, which is an industry dynasty league. Um, mm -hmm. 
that I've been rebuilding from whoever left it in shambles uh, when I got it. Um, I wanted the Tigers to consider him at one overall. Instead yeah. of my, like I, I was, I was that into Jonathan India, and it hasn't, it hasn't really gone that well. He's got some decent WRC plus totals, but relative to his age and where he was, people were expecting a lot more. And those are, those are uh, walk inflated, and I think that's his age showing to where he's taking advantage of some of these younger pitchers because the production just wasn't particularly special, especially power wise. So, you know, there's some flaws here. But at 24, what are, you, what are you worried about that that seventh year for? Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Um, at the same time, like I always find it funny, like these situations where uh, fan, like the fantasy community is like in love with a guy, then falls out of love with a guy, and then falls back in love with a guy. I don't think that they fall back in love. I think they forget him, and that's the thing. But I think... you saw, like, if you if you were on Twitter yesterday, which I'm sure you were, you saw, like, a bunch of people, like, it's Jonathan India season, and six months ago, people, like you said, he's not on top 100 lists right now for fantasy. But that's that's uh, not some special cutoff that everyone after a top 100 list What sucks. I know, but, like, he people... did fall off a little bit, but I think there's still some, there's still some juice there. I know, and I agree. I, I mean, I, I don't want to give up on a guy. I mean, he was a guy who was drafted very, very highly, largely based on his final season. I was going to say that that was kind of the interesting thing mm-hmm. that gave guys some pause. And I want to I want to say that James Anderson was pretty much on it from the top saying like 2018 was his only good co- only good college season. Like he was he was pretty mediocre in 16 and 17 uh, breaks through with 18 going off. And I don't think he's ever really been a fan uh, James Anderson from Rotowire. So that's kind of always been in my head. Like, and it made me peel back, like, because I really respect his opinions and he's better at this than I am. And I'm not saying that I've gotten over on him now because India is knocking on the door. Maybe. Cause we don't even know. Yeah. I, they might be, honestly, India could be ancillary to all of this because they have Kyle farmer pencil in it short. They may be doing this for D Gordon to be quite honest. They, they could move Nick Senzel back to second base to open up another spot in that outfield that's a little crowded. So, like, I think it's a yeah, bit it's not directly India-related, yeah. and I want to be clear on that, and I also want to be clear that, like, don't go out and draft India everywhere. I'd rather take the Bobby Witt shot, even though India probably has a better chance of making it. I don't think he has quite the upside. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I think India kind of profiles to me like a guy who is going to be, at least initially, He's not going to strike out a ton. He he's shown already in the minor leagues that he's not a guy who is going to have like a thirty percent strikeout rate. Um, is probably going to have a decent hit tool. Uh, I don't know that there is a ton of power in this bat, but there's a little sure. bit of speed there. So he's probably like a two seventy fifteen fifteen guy. Um, I'm a sucker for guys like that. Yeah, which is fine because like he's not going to hurt you. Um, and he's going to have third and second base eligibility uh, once he gains the second base eligibility in season, which is always nice to be able to move a guy from middle of corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's like an interesting guy. Like He's definitely not someone I'm likely to draft unless we have some sort of clarity uh, prior to the, you know, prior to my last few drafts that he's going to be up with the team. Yeah. Because, like, I don't think he's a fantasy difference maker. Like, I'm, I'm not specking on him the way I am yeah. with, because even if he makes it, and like I said, there's a higher chance that Jonathan India makes it, he's not a game changer, like you're saying. No. Like, I, I'd so much I rather feel- have Wit 
or uh, Franco or, um, you know, even a guy like Nolan Gorman, who I think is kind of a, a prospect that could be up early that people aren't uh, talking about a ton. Like, I think he's fine. Um, I think right now is the time to sell him in Dynasty. If you've got him in a Dynasty League, people yeah. are starting to get excited, uh, especially if he makes the opening day line uh, roster. Like, that's the time to be like, oh, you want Jonathan India? Look, he's up. Like, he's in Cincinnati. It's a good lineup, good park. Like, the hype uh, is back. Yeah, there you and, go. and kind of, you know, tap out on the max value. Um, you know, I don't know how much power. I mean, we grade him out for 50 raw power. So, like, that's 20 home runs. Like, Sure. It's really not super interesting, even if he hits a ceiling. Um, but I do think he's kind of that low ceiling, high floor type of guy that, you know, will probably be a, an average to an above average accumulator in the majors. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's a fair, fair way to put it with Jonathan India. He's adding a little bit back to his uh, prospect flair with, uh, with a decent spring here and a move that, again, isn't necessarily directly tied to him but would create that opening if they did want to say, you know what, let's take a shot here. If Suarez doesn't fall over his two feet at short, and I think he can avoid that fate, then all of a sudden they're looking at India Suarez moves as, as their infield there with uh, the do, bottle at first. Uh-oh. Got a little bit of breaking news. Nate Pearson will not make the opening day roster after re-aggravating his groin injury during yeah, the bullpen. I didn't, I didn't think so. Oh, that's a brutal one. I uh ranked him too yeah i i kind of i kind of moved him he's he's on way that down list off of it. very highly owned players of mine so oh no uh yeah that that's brutal all right well sorry <laughs> that's all right i mean you hold him as long as you can i'm i think uh, i've got him mostly in draft and old so like i'm not so he's one of your 50 you know i'm not like maybe, maybe get some second half love out of him or, or late later love Probably ends Pick, up getting dropped in in any league I can drop him in, but yeah. But I think you know in the fifty rounds he's just kind of parked. Comes yep. up in June, and you're like, oh, I have Nate Pearson. I, I forgot. You know, I, I I definitely see something like that. But as far as redrafts go, I'm moving him way the heck yeah, down. Eight, eight, I've got him in. Let's see, eight of eighteen leagues already drafted. Awesome. Would you take him or Fromber because you also have a bunch of Fromber, don't you? Um, I mean, I don't have necessarily a bunch of Fromber. Okay, okay. Um, I misunderstood that then. I thought I thought you did. Let's see. I've got Fromber in five of my 18 leagues. Okay. And in two of those five, I drafted him, like, in, like, the last two rounds. Of, yeah, because you've been taking the super discount on him. Yeah. But you have Pearson in eight of your 18, right? Yeah, so this is, that's not good. Um <laughs> A little bit of a bummer. Yeah, it's all right. Pair it with my Hunter Harvey shares. Yeah, Whew, you should take any other guy with two first names. Apparently, uh, apparently, yeah. Tanner Scott looking like to get that job. Uh, Wander Franco was sent out, um, and again, you know, comparing him, Dusty and I were comparing him and Wit, and I think again, I think Wit is a much better pick than Franco. I don't even think Franco really? should be drafted in a twelve teamer. I. How long you how long you holding him in a twelve team NFBC? Um, like, well, I mean, personally, I'm not drafting him in twelve team NFBC. So then, what so are you saying really for? Because I'm not drafting with there either. So okay, uh -huh. but it's the last pick on a guy who's got the buzz, and 
at least has an avenue. There was never a chance that Franco was going to break camp. And I don't even think there's a chance he's going to get up in April or May. Like, I just don't know, man. I get that he's an elite prospect. I have nothing bad to say about his prospect status. This is all about the team that he's on, the way that that organization runs, and the fact that he's blocked, too, like pretty severely. Like, what, why would you? And, and yeah, if he showed that if he was 22 and ready, then I, I don't think it would matter as much. But there's, it's so unnecessary to, like, force him into the lineup right now with Lau and Adamas up the middle. And, yeah, yeah you can move Lau to the outfield, but, like, you could it's also just move so Lau to third. You could, I mean. They love Wendell, though. And, like, Taylor Walls could be up before Franco. Yeah, I'm He's sure like, Taylor Walls will be up before Franco, especially yeah, with so all why the injuries there. Um, I just, it, with this organization, yes, he's the number one prospect, and he's great. But with the organization that we have here, yeah. 20 years old, hasn't topped uh, high A, there's no chance. And again, if, I know some are going to say I'm talking about both sides of my mouth with the Witt and Franco thing. I'm talking about their situation specifically, though. And KC, been more aggressive with prospects, have an obvious opening at second base. I don't really think they're going to bring Witt up um, from camp with them, but at least there's the chance. There was literally never a chance that Franco could break camp. Literally zero. So how long are you hold him in a, in in an FBC when he's taking up one of your seven precious reserve spots? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're drafting him, you've got to hold him and just hope that it, this isn't like an August situation, right, or a July situation when it passes the Super Two. Um, that being said, like I do think he's likely up. At some point in May, it may be closer to Memorial Day than it is, like, you know, right after you know, those those few weeks pass where they get the extra year service time. Um, and I do think he's going to be really good once he's up. Uh, and so, like, I think he could be DG, DJ LeMayhew light, kind of. Um, okay. And so, like, I if people want to hold him, that's your one stash go ahead and there are avenues for kind of playing time. You know, G-Man Choi shut down uh, with an injury right now. Uh, there was somebody else on the Rays that was shut down recently for with an injury that I'm... Oh, Brett Phillips uh, just went down with an injury. Like, there's there's some pass to playing time, and I don't think... You know, who knows how long Kevin Kiermeyer is going to be able to stay healthy because uh, he never is. Um Who's playing center there that's opening up anything for Franco? Mar- Margot can play center. Okay. And then I guess so, loud of the outfield. It, loud loud just, of the outfield and then, you but know. But are they going to put him at second? Because Adamas is at short. Um, I do not know. I mean, honestly. I, I, like, I just I just don't see it. I, I, they've they've been one, moving Lau around quite a bit in spring I know training. they've been like putting him played, at some third yeah. and everything, too. So but This is one where I would love to be wrong. I want Wander Franco in baseball as soon as possible, but with the setup that we have in in Major League right now, I just don't see it. I just yeah, and I mean and, that's one of the reasons why I'm I've been kind of shying away, except for like Fudira draft and Holmes. And um, another reason with regards to taking him versus um, versus Bobby Witt is his ADP is a hundred picks higher, two fifty five to three fifty five. So they're at the same cost, okay, sure, but it's not your last pick. It's two fifty five. In, in a 12-teamer, that's that's like a real pick. And I mean, that's a 20-second pick. Here's the thing, like, with, like, I love prospects like Franco who have, like, the hit tool already down, right? Sure. Um, 
you know, these guys can tend to kind of, you know, translate into more power uh, as they get up to the major leagues just because they hit the ball, they barrel the ball so well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we have seen in recent seasons, even with a, another top prospect of, of his ilk, um, you know, a guy who was projected to be like, hey, this guy's going to win the batting title in his rookie year based on his minor league numbers in Vlad Guerrero not hit for that kind of average. And so, um, like, I, I think there is a little bit more, I, I don't want to call it risk because I don't think he's going to be bad. Like, I think he could still, like, even if he struggles a little bit, probably hits 270 at the majors. But, like, to project a guy to be able to hit 300 right away, I think is always a silly kind of uh, uh, thought process. Uh, that being mm-hmm. said, I do think he's going to be very good. And I think it's going to come pretty quickly once he's up. The question just becomes, being in the Ray system, when is he up? Yeah, and that and that's that's the tough tough part for me. Again, I just I really want uh, I I, re- I really want him to be up, and I want I wish we had a system where this sort of guessing game wasn't uh, everything that we had to do. But that's where we're at. So anyway. I know. I just I want to be clear that I think that there's a distinct difference between Witt and Franco, based on price and organization setup there, because I think it's easy for people to be like, "Well, you're you're talking out your ass because you like one and not the other." I, I feel like we've explained why they're different, and I hope I hope that's that's understood. That being Dusty, said, that's don't for you. Either. Yeah, that's for you, Dusty. Okay, I know you're listening. Text me right now if you're listening. How about that? I'm sending subliminals. Actually, that's direct. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Brendan Rodgers because he was starting to get a little flavor uh, of the month action here in drafts, and then he got a hamstring issue um, that was like, oh, right back down the draft board. But then, oh wait, maybe it's not so serious. So first message after after the injury was Bud Black is encouraged by it. Second message. Or second note, the Rockies believe Brendan Rodgers' hamstring issue is not serious. So, all good with Brendan Rodgers moving forward. Um, I I mean he was like this is interesting. He kind of snuck up on me. Um, I did not necessarily think uh, coming into this you know draft season like he was going to actually be kind of the front runner for the second base job. Yeah. And it seems like he is. Of course. Why wouldn't he be? I mean, I know it's because Colorado. Because it's the Rockies. Like that I know, but like they did. actually they actually didn't have a way to block him this time. With Arenado gone, McMahon goes but to third. Did, Rodgers has Garrett, second clear. Garrett Hampson could play, and he's almost... Well, Garrett Hampson's in the outfield. I know, but he can play second. And um, I... Like, he he's definitely interesting. I mean, you look at the prospect pedigree, and like he... Uh, you know, as a former third overall pick in 2015, he was a top 10 prospect, probably top five prospect on, on majority of people's lists, um, for a long time has struggled to stay healthy and to produce, uh, Mm -hmm. even in some pretty hitter friendly environments, uh, that Colorado has going throughout the minor leagues. I really don't know what to expect of him, um, you know, Colorado is obviously a great place to hit, and if he can get to 500 plus plate appearances, um, you know, I think he's someone worth investing in. Uh, but they also have other players that they can 
you know, put there, like Garrett Hampson, um, like Ryan McMahon. And... They seem pretty set on Hampson in the outfield. It was, you know, Thomas Harding article uh, back in late Feb talking about, you know, he's pretty he's pretty set for center. I know Sam Hilliard's there, but I think Hampson's a better bet right there. Um, yeah, they could, you know, they could have McMahon there. They have backups, you know, because there's still no timetable. Let's be clear. It's not like yeah. Rodgers is back out there doing his thing. There, There is no timetable, but there was some big concern when it first happened, and now it's now yeah, it's feeling it did a lot not better. Look good. He uh, he was stealing a base, and and that's pulled, the tough like, part. Like right there. wasn't even into his slide, and he just started stumbling and then grabbing at his hamstring. And um, is, I mean, he is walked that under slow on the bases. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think he was necessarily a guy that we were expecting. Like he he speed isn't going to be a huge part of his game. Like no, I, but I was hoping for like seven to ten. Yeah, I think that even that is aggressive. I think that's he what was, I'm saying. Yeah, I, be- because he got hurt. No, during... no, prior to getting hurt, I think that was aggressive. Um, you know, I mean, he has not stolen a base in in a minor league game or major league game for that matter since 2018. Well, that's because um, he played just 37 games AAA in 2019, and the injuries I think were like, hey. You don't need to run, but if he was fully healthy, I think he'd. I think he'd at least uh, swipe some bags. But yeah, he doesn't grade out well anymore. in his speed scores. I I don't think he's. I think he's maybe like a. Probably even prior to this, he was probably like a five stolen base guy, um, and now it's probably closer to two or three. Like it's just chip in, uh, fifteen to twenty home runs. I mean, he and he was like, running in spring, and he's run. He's run twice. He got caught both times. But the idea that like he was just—if you're already running twice in ten games in spring, maybe falsely. But Brendan Rodgers certainly sees himself as somebody who could have stolen seven <laughs> to ten. So, um, you know, I, I I disagree with where you were before the the injury. Now I think because he got hurt trying to steal, and he's been caught both times. Maybe it's a maybe it's yellow light or even a red light yeah. on him unless they send him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably like a 20, 20 home run bat, maybe a little bit more than that with like a yeah. 260 average. Like, I think uh, the batting average is where he could really pop off. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, Jonathan that's where you can scope see the breakout. Sure, I would take that, but with Coors. With more upside hoping, because, yeah, because of Coors. Yeah, you're hoping that he can lean on that park and do more damage, particularly with the batting average. And that's that's if. You know, things broke out, and, and the 24-year-old Brandon Rogers really took a step forward. Bottom line is, I st- still think he's draftable in all formats here based on this news um, because he's not particularly expensive, and this will make him cheaper. So that's yeah, where I'm I ranked him 49th at second base, and that's probably low. <laughs> Let's see where I've got him right now. It's second. But, I mean, second base is deep. Like, am I going to put him over, especially with the hamstring injury? I have him 37. Yeah, but, I mean, the difference between... 37, and apparently the, I ranked a few def- guys the same. I, I ranked two guys 30 and two guys 31, so apparently I can't Whoops. use math either. The the depth at second base, uh, there is no real like superstar talent, unless you count LeMahieu and obviously superstars. But there's a few stars, but then it's a gigantic cluster of sameness. Yeah. You could argue, you could feasibly argue from like 11 to 30, to 40 yeah i was gonna say you could probably argue 19 to 49 um i mean what what 
what do Cattell Marte and and even our boy Nick Solak and Chris Taylor and Dylan Moore, these are guys that I have ahead of 19. What do they really do that, uh, that you know, a Garrett Hampson, a Ryan McMahon, a Brendan Rodgers, yeah, I just purposely named all three guys. If I don't guys. end up with one of the Ingering. top four, five um, second basemen, I'm often waiting. Like I'll, I'll just. I've been trying to get one of the top, my top six, which is Lemayhu, Albies, Merrifield, Muncy, Lau, Altuve. I like an Altuve bounce back. No Biggio back. in there. No Biggio. I got Biggio ninth. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not gonna argue with that because I mean, the, what's the difference between Biggio and Jose Altuve and and Keston Hira and I? I think yeah, there's, it, a, there's a top four for me, um, and if I'm not getting one of those top four, uh. In Albies, Lemayhu, Merrifield, Lau, I'm likely waiting. Unless, I mean, the the exceptions to that are Max Muncie and Mike Mustakis, who have yeah, the multi. I still love putting Muncie there. Yeah, so I, I'm typically waiting because there there are just so many guys that I just really really like later. Um, and if I do pop on someone, it's someone who's got you know triple eligibility: a Tommy Edmond, a McNeil, yep. a Jimenez, or a double eligible and Solak and. I mean, second base is just filled with guys who can play everywhere. I got Edmund and Solak yesterday, and I know they're kind of the same player, but two of the same, in my opinion, very good player, a double-double fantasy guy with a 270-plus average upside, I'm here for that. And they, they both play multiple spots. So, yeah, that's where I'm at there uh, with Brendan Rodgers. Again, I still I think he's plenty draftable still. He wasn't expensive before this, and this obviously will not raise his price. Um, speaking of raising their price, Shohei Otani. I've already got a couple shares, and I'm so glad because, boy, these last few weeks could be wild with his prices. He smacks two more homers. Uh, he's been looking good on the bump. I, this is just kind of an open question. Where are you at on where are you at on Otani? Because we're actually going to um, get into him a little bit more here. He is one of our big movers, so I guess you don't have to go too crazy on on your thoughts because we will finish the show with him in the uh, the biggest ADP movers, but. Are you encouraged by this? Let me ask you that. Absolutely. And my SP ranks, uh, which is the only spot I've ranked them in because I don't do UT only ranks. Sure. Uh, though I should, because that's a big be... pool, but I don't know that that's still necessary. <laughs> still, I still don't know like if it's necessary guys. to do a ranking. Yeah. 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 Where you got where you got Chris Davis and Miguel Cabrera, bro? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see the arguments on that one because that, that, yeah. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, I moved him from 71 in my starting pitcher ranks to 51. I got so, him at 48, so we are we are close. Yeah, I mean, I knew the bat was going to be fine. I do, and or I did, and I still do worry a little bit about not necessarily the effectiveness of the pitching, but just how long he can do it. Um, sure, I don't think that's unfair. I, I mean, I don't think it's unfair at all. Um, it's but having that bat backup, I know it's weird to consider that in an SP ranking, but you're drafting a player. So, you know, you're, you're, that's the weirdness of, you know, kind of where we're at with, with these type of guys. But that's why I'm willing to push him up and, and get Otani because I have, you know, I have this ability to put him somewhere else if one asset of of his game doesn't work. And I took him 156 yesterday, and I'm perfectly fine with that price. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that price. I think he's still going to be frustrating to use. I mean, in... Um, I'm it really just depends gonna, on how the pitching goes. Yeah, I'm assuming you're going to use him as a 
pitcher mostly, or is it? Yeah, a- yeah, mostly as mostly as a pitcher. But then the, the, here's the thing: you end up getting one of those situations where you you draft some good pitching guys at the back end that pop. Like my last two starters were Turnbull and Mills. Let's say they just play at their 90th percentile. How great would that be for me? <laughs> Wonderful. You know, and like, let's just say all of a sudden, you know, pitching's looking really good, man. But I could really use an infusion of pop. Then I just hit, play him as a hitter and get five, four or five games a week. Like, I understand that it's – if you don't want to deal with the headache, don't draft him. If you're not willing to manage him, don't draft him. I don't even want to say it's necessarily a headache. It's management. If you don't want to deal with that management, take him off your board. I'm open to it because I think the upside is such that it can pay off huge. Yeah, I mean, so, especially – and if you're playing like, in daily moves leagues, obviously he's, he's got to go way up. Yeah, I mean, he is conceivably a top 75 pick. Um, I would, and I think I you can make – Quite high. Yeah, I think you can make the argument that he should be going inside the top 50 in a um, in a uh, daily moves league. Uh, because in a daily moves league, he has the potential to be the number one overall player in fantasy. Daily moves, folks. Hit us up if you've already drafted. Where, where did Tony go? I don't have any daily moves leagues. He went Very in the fifth round of the Barf League draft. And while that is a weekly moves league, the guy who drafted him thought we were playing daily because we had played daily previously. Okay. Um, and so he, he took him in the fifth round. So You guys, guys wham-beezied him there, huh? Yeah. I was all like, oh, that's a really interesting move. And now that we're a weekly league, he goes, we're a weekly league. I was like, yeah, dude, you got to you gotta read the rules. And I sent gotta him read the rules. And like, you know, just... Um, so, but that being said, uh, like, I mean, I, I if it was a daily moves league, I'd have no problem with that. I would probably be wanting him as a hitter. Um, and then if the pitching does get to the point where, like, okay, he's actually pitching really well, he is pitching once a week, um, and I need pitching, then I would probably start using him more as a pitcher. I think the sure. interesting thing becomes, you know, of the UT-only guys, like, I think Stanton has a shot to get outfield eligibility. Yeah, I think it, I, I would say more than a shot. I think it's damn near certainty yeah, and by, so, by, like, the end of the first month. Yeah, so I think you can in a league like NFBC, draft both Stan and Otani, where you can't draft, for instance, Nelson Cruz and Otani. Um, yeah, or then, Alvarez. Yeah, or Alvarez, or even uh, uh, J.D. Martinez. So yep. um, I think that becomes a really interesting pairing because you then get two guys with massive upsides. Now, there are also massive downsides. Sure. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much you want to, you know, then be risky the rest of the way, but... Uh, that could be really interesting. But yeah, I think I'm using him as a hitter mostly um, because if they keep to the same schedule they did last year, which was he pitched on Sundays. He's not going to do that, though. They've said that it's every sixth day because oh. they're, they're going to run a six-man, but it's not he has the Sunday game. It's mm. just the rotation. Okay, I did not see that. So that's uh, that's a little bit of a bummer, actually. Though yeah, I actually think it's better because the tough part was – Especially on Sunday, what if he got pushed and you got nothing? Yeah, that week got from nothing. literally yeah. nothing. So that makes yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. If you're if you're thinking of him as a pitcher, then yeah, for sure that's better. So so yeah, I'm definitely you know. not out. I have zero ish shares. Really, uh, eighteen leagues, you don't have them anywhere. Wow. I just the headache. I just didn't want. Oh no, I have two shares. Okay. Um. So let's see. Keep up with your 
It's it's so hard. I mean, if you look at like the actual full list of oh, I can't uh, of yeah. my player shares, it's like three hundred people deep. Like it just because believe it. You know, I believe it. Um, I mean, they got. Uh... I got him in my first draft of the season back in October, um, and then I took him in a draft Champions League. So both are draft hold, draft and holds, um, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm not opposed to taking him. I don't know that it will happen again, though, just because the majority of my drafts left are huge money leagues, and I do think there is. I don't know that I want to be dealing with a headache in those kind of leagues. Okay. All right. Let's move on to some of our biggest ADP movers. And again, this is um, this is supposed to be in concert with the great work that you're doing with your market watch, uh, where I'm just kind of looking at a, a larger scope. Uh, the first set, uh, like where they're moving from, is from a composite from October through February. So basically, winter, spring, excuse me, fall, winter together versus March. Um, so, for example, first guy, Andrew Vaughn, he's plus 87. To 222, so that means that he was going uh, 309 October 1st through February 28th. He's going 222 here in March. So I think it's pretty clear. Everyone gets it. I think I'm over explaining it, but I just want to make sure that I'm on the right track with everybody. So let's talk Andrew Vaughn. There's been discussion, you know, as far as prospects go, he's probably the best one angling for a job here uh, of those who have never been in the majors before, as there's been just a lot of talk about how. They see him as part of their 2021 plans for sure. Rick Hahn definitely sees that as the case. That doesn't mean that he's going to break camp, though. 222 is a real investment. He's kicking butt in spring. Where do you come out on Andrew Vaughn? I really like Andrew Vaughn uh, quite a bit. Uh, I think he is going to be up very early. Uh, I think there is a chance that we hear here in the next week or so that he signed a long-term deal and that he breaks camp with the major league team. If that happens, where's the ADP go? Oh God. Uh, he's going 222 now. I think he goes inside of the one top 150. That happens tomorrow. You have a draft tomorrow. You don't, I'm just saying you do now. Where do you draft him? I think I'm drafting him. Maybe like one seventy five ish. Okay, so if he so. doesn't, if he goes before that, you'd be out. I think, I think like the very first drafts after he gets signed, if that happens with Andrew Vaughn, we this is not this is all speculation. Uh, the price would be so b- bananas. Yeah, I, I think he'd go like way too high. Yeah, I, I think he would probably go high. I mean, because here's the thing: like, well, I and I maintain this uh, throughout. Um, the uh, off season like that, there's no position that I'm really that worried about in terms of depth. One of the ones that a lot of other people kind of talk about is first base being, you know, a, a shallow uh, position. Well, I disagree with really? that. Yeah, yeah. I disagree with that too. Um, you know, because you can get guys like Joey Votto late and you can get guys like, well, Lau, I don't like, really want that. Um, you can get guys Votto. like Jesus Aguilar late. I um, do like that. Carlos Santana I, late. I am definitely the high man on Jesus Aguilar. He lasts. I mean, I ranked him twenty, probably a little too high. I think I'll probably have him down a couple spots because I haven't, I haven't really been taking him there. And you know, we, we've talked about this a lot on the show about battle testing your ranks, and then if you're really not taking a guy a certain spot, I think you need to move him down. To be honest with yourself, and say, you know what. I'm not taking him there. Why would I expect others, and why would I instruct others to do so? Should they 
use my my rankings. So I'm moving Aguilar down a little bit. I did I did get him in a draft, but um, he sits there like kind of sticks out like a sore thumb top my board for a good while, and I need to adjust that. But yeah, I, I actually come come out where you are with regards to first base being like I'm okay. You know, I I'd like to get a monster for sure, and then put put my next guy, my Jared Walsh, my CJ Crone, who we're going to talk about very much in the next one uh, here, Josh Bell, Roddy Telez, maybe even Andrew Vaughn at my CI. But if I finagle a situation where I'm like going ham on the outfield, pitching and infield, and I don't get a first baseman for a little while, I'll make Jared Walsh my starter. And the reason I know this is because I did it yesterday. He's literally my starter. Uh, at first base in in the B Paul Sport Two League, and I'm okay with that. Let me tell you this outfield in a 12 team. You let me know what you think uh, as far as that goes. Um, oh, hang on, I picked the wrong one. I'm sorry, taking too long. All right, so I got uh, Brandon Loud second, Story at short, Rendon at third. Outfield is Yelich, Guriel, Blackman, Buxton, Hicks, and um, my pitching. I mean, I didn't go crazy on pitching or anything, but my, my front liners that I would have taken over a quality, a high quality first baseman are Gallon, Lynn, uh, Jansen. I even made sure that I got Urquidy and, and Montas, and that's in an area where I still could have gotten maybe more of a mid tier, but then I ended up with Walsh at first, which I'm very happy with because I don't think Albert Pujols is forcing his way in the lineup nearly as much. I think that they all understand. I think, I think everybody's on the same page right now with that, and, and the team has explained to him, we're still going to play you. But you, your cachet does not get you in the lineup every day to any degree whatsoever. Jared Walsh needs to get an opportunity to see how real last year was. So, um, But, yeah, what do you think of how that played out? Not on Walsh specifically because it could have been a different guy if you, if you prefer. Was, but Was this the I, team that you drafted three first basemen, whereas like you drafted Walsh, I think it was Aguilar? It was and- Walsh, uh, Tellez. Okay. And um, just Washington Tellez, actually. Those are okay, the only first thought, baseman I have. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't mind that first base. I love your offense. Like, your offense is just fire. It's it's great. Thank you. Um, you know, I think you might run into a problem where both Walsh and Tellez are platooning and you're not able to get uh, full. But they're strong like, side. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. But, um so, you know, I, I probably would have preferred, like, a Joey Votto or an Aguilar. What, what if I throw, like, a Canha at UT, and then I have Tellez and Walsh to actually play in a platoon? Yeah, that's and what I, I would probably do. I would need the schedule to work out for me, mm-hmm. but I put, I, you know, I put uh, I put Walsh on the front side of the week because he's got three out of four righties, and then hopefully the weekend would set up where Tellez has two out of three righties or even all three righties, and then I play him for the weekend because Walsh is getting two lefties. You know, that's ideal scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm talking here. It yeah. never plays out that perfectly, but I felt fine taking one of those, having those two as one of my first basemen, um, because I even like, I think Brian Anderson kind of fits what you're talking about with like a Joey Votto, Jesus Aguilar mold. He's not at first base, but again, I put him at UT, and then I have both Telez and Walsh to yeah. figure out a first baseman. Exactly, and that's exactly what I would do. I would kind of just play matchups with them until one of them can grab a full-time role because injuries or just playing, you know, you know, playing time will, will work itself out. Uh, yeah. with that so like I, I i do kind of like that setup you know as far as vaughn goes i i want to caution people like i don't think he's gonna be 
830 home run, high batting average monster right away. Like, uh, it, what, are you, what are you seeing? I think he's probably like a 265, 270 batting average guy with like above average power. So we're like 25 home runs um, and 260. Like, I think people are going to, if he does get the call at the start of the season um, or signs a contract, like, like people are going to go crazy. And I don't think that one, I don't think he necessarily profiles as a guy with like extreme power. And I don't necessarily know that it's ready while he's hit like 300 in spring training right now with six walks, which is great. Um, 66 or um, a one-to-one strikeout to walk. I think he could be like an on base percentage, like monster, especially at the price. Uh, but like I don't, I don't think the power is quite what people maybe expect because he's such a high prospect at the first base position. Um, I think he's going to be uh, a very, very good player. But I uh, mean, and he could grow into more power, like I talked about earlier with Franco. Like I like these guys who've got the hit tool down, you know, and then you know maybe mm-hmm. he they can gain more, uh, gain more power from that. Um, I don't think he's a, a power monster quite yet at this point in his career. Sure. You got, you got to let Andrew Vaughn develop a little bit. I understand that. A guy who is a power monster at his career at this point. And stop saying he's a sleeper. He's not a sleeper. This is this is peak wide awake sleeper. CJ Crone is no longer a sleeper, folks. The, the second he signed with Colorado, sure. And before that, when we didn't even know if he had a job, yeah, you, you can. If you were just like, I'm a CJ Crone guy and he's going to sign somewhere, I'll take him. Don't care where he lands, then you caught a hell of a windfall with him going to Colorado. But he's now up to 188 draft pick. Uh, that's plus 85 from where he was. That's not a sleeper. Um, but I also, by the way, don't mind that he's going up there. I actually i am in on this crone hype. I just want it to be tabbed properly as to what it is. He's, he was a non-roster invite. He's going to make the team. He's going to be the first baseman. I mean, I know it's the Rockies, so... There's always a switch up possible of, of utter stupidity, but he also happens to be having a strong spring as well. So where do you, where do you, where do you come out drafting CJ Crone? Do you agree with that draft price? He's kind of sleeper. I hate you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm fine with that draft price, but I think people need to be cautious, especially if they're playing in kind of NFBC leagues. Uh, where there's a lot more sharp people, I think, I think he's he's definitely a guy who's going to be really undervalued in, uh, in in like you know your traditional home leagues and stuff like that. So, and I think that's what the majority of people listening are playing is they're playing in home leagues, they're playing ESPN, Yahoo, CBS stuff sure. like that. And I think he's going to be very undervalued. I ranked him 16th. He'll still be cheap there. I mean, if he is, then that's great. Yeah, if I think he will. He is be a sleeper in your own cheaper. league. Then take advantage. But I'm just saying, in the in the broader market, I, he's he's not. Um, yeah. So don't don't you know he, don't anticipate too much that he's going to be there. At like pick two. He, he can get to the two hundreds because a one eighty eight average means he's going after that sometimes too. But if you like Crone, I think you take him at that ADP, and it's not too expensive. Yeah, he's going one seventy nine in online championships over the last two weeks. Um, and I think he 16th rounder. Yeah. And I've seen him mostly go in like the top 150 uh, and even higher than that. Like he, he's been going above Josh Bell and Eric Hosmer. I, I don't think that's necessarily a mistake. It's just not one that I'm, I'm hoping to get him at a huge discount. Um, and, uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. 
So I'm probably not going to end up with him. I don't think I have him on any teams. Um, though, like I said, it's it's hard to keep track, so I can <laughs> just double check. No, nope, I do not. Shares. I do not have him on any any teams. Uh, he's definitely a guy like I'll be looking at in like the main event and and my OC and stuff like that. And Tout Wars, um, Tout Wars is the place I could probably actually get him just because he uh, it's an auction, and so I don't have to worry about. There's just always seems to be someone who is ready to pull the trigger in like the eighth ninth round. And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I want to do that yet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty high. That's pretty high there. Uh, I'm looking more at the, uh, the 188 ADP. If it's, I I need it to be somewhere in that range. Um, If you're talking eighth, ninth round, you know, if you're talking ninth round, 12 team, you almost, you almost get in the top 100 at that point. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not going to push them. Not quite going there. I ranked him 16th. Um, and that's in front of Reese Hoskins and Christian Rocker and Trey Mancini, but it's still behind Josh Bell and Eric Hosmer. And I think that feels right to me. Um, I'd much rather have Bell and Hosmer, uh, than a guy. Oh, you, why would you rather have Hosmer over Chrome? God, no. Well, I mean, I, I like, I like Eric Hosmer. I think he gross. Uh, <laughs> did, are we, are we just going to ignore the changes he made last year and, Yes, pretty okay. much. I mean, like, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into that um, as like some transcendent change. Even okay, even if I grant that, even if I grant that some of those changes are going to stick, still taking CJ Crone in Colorado. Dude's a proven thirty homer guy going to the best hitting environment in the universe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I do need to put. Him over Hosmer. Like, I'm, like, I'm actually. I'll, I'll give. I'll give some. Okay. I, I don't like Eric Hosmer, and yes, it does stem a lot from the way he treated Eno. Because you know what? F that guy. Um, <laughs> I, I will freely admit that. That's, well, that's, that that's my bias. Eric Hosmer up my ranks. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Let poor Eno be mistreated. Um, but he did make some changes, and that's fair to point out. Plus twelve points on his fly ball rate last year to a career high thirty four percent. But it, you know, we need to see that that it sticks, that it's legit, because he fi- he finally realized, like, yeah, dude, you people need been telling you that for a freaking angle, yeah. decade. Um, um, wow, gee whiz, how'd that work out? Like, it's almost it's almost annoyance that with him that like, oh, oh, you found that that worked. Did you come on that on your own? Well, well done, Eric. Good job, finally doing it. But yeah, he did have a nice little power explosion there, two thirty one ISO. I'm still taking Crone over him. Um, I don't have them far apart. But for me, it's easily crone uh, over Hosmer. Uh, I don't know that it's easily for me, but I, I, I think you're probably right. I probably should have crone 15 and Hosmer 16. Um, and so maybe there's a chance I end up with crone. It it just seems like the, the his ADP is a runaway train right now. Um, it, it is. It is. And it's Colorado doing, some, doing a lot of the damage there. And I get it. I and, absolutely and get it. When I'm playing in leagues like... Uh, especially the main event, like people are just going to take their guys. Like they just don't care For sure. about uh, as they and, should. And I think he's going to end up being like a top hundred draft pick. In, that in the will main be event. And that... a bit too much for me. Yeah. And, All right, we're going to have to pop through a, a few of these a little bit right. quicker, or else we're going to be here for two hours minimum. Uh, Miles Straw, plus 82 to 238. That's as he looks to crystallize the, the starting center field job, and he's a speed guy. Uh, my, my main question here is just, are you taking him? Like, Do you believe that Miles Straw can hold this job, and do you want to pay for that speed at the expense of 
virtually everything else, but but primarily the the power. Like I know the answer is yes because you love Malik Smith. So if you say <laughs> no, you're completely full of crap. But go ahead and answer. Let's see where you're at. Um, I th- the answer is yes, depending on the situation I'm in. What um, if his name was Malik Straw? Would that do it for you, dude? That would be so. That's an eighty grade name. <laughs> like Malik Smith really cool. was like sixty grade. You know, yeah, firm, firm plus name. Great first name and just literally replacement level last name. You yeah, know? the most basic one that you can yeah. get. Uh, but Malik Straw, ooh, yeah. I mean, I take him in the first round. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, I mean, it really comes down to roster construction when you get to that point in draft. It's like, how sure. badly do you need speed? Um, because he's not going to offer a ton of anything else. Any power. Yeah. Any. And the like, batting average is probably league average. So What's the, what's the most homers he's hit at any, at any one stop in his career for Miles Straw? Uh, guess one. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. It's one. Um, so, so you have to plan for this. And yes, yeah. I will take the easy way out and say that Gallo Straw could work. That could work. But people said that with Malik Smith and uh, Joey Gallo too. I don't think that one does work because you're then really hurting batting average. It, um, it's not. No, it's if, not. If Straw Gallo, plays the way he's supposed to. He's he's supposed to bring some batting average to the table. Yeah, I don't. I mean. He doesn't strike out a lot. He actually takes walks. Projection systems have him for like 250. Well, of course they do. Projection systems, like, they only give Vlad a good batting average and literally nobody else. Yeah, no. I, I if think you gave... if you're going to if you're gonna pair Straw and Gallo, then you have to pair it with a third guy who's actually going to deliver somewhat of a guaranteed good batting average. Um, well, you're supposed to get that at the front end of the draft, though, anyway. I'm talking about yeah. where they're actually being drafted. And here's the, like, like okay, I don't you like saying LeMahieu and Gallo, but like that that's a different like you, you have to start that plan in the second or third round. Yeah. And I mean I don't think this is necessarily I think like when when we say like this is something you gotta plan for, like it it comes in with people get the idea that like you come into the draft of this plan. It, it's not necessarily that no. it's it's I mean you can yeah. if you want, but I'm yeah, that's, I'm not, I'm not I think even that's saying a that. poor decision. Um but I think that's what I think that's a poor decision if you're entering your draft going, I'm going to get Malik Smith, you know, at pick, you know, you mean Miles Straw? Or, sorry. <laughs> I got you calling him Malik Whatever. Smith now. Damn it. Um, I'm going to get uh, uh, Miles Straw at pick 200, and, you know, I'm going to jump his ADP another 40 picks and, and, and make sure I get him. Um, and that, I need to make sure I get my power and get my, my, uh, my average early. Um, What's wrong with targeting him as your potential speed, though? I think he. I think you. I think he's great. Got to have highlighted on your sheet, um, but I, I don't like entering a draft that late for a rabbit. Um, going, I'm gonna. I have to get him unless you're in an auction. And you. That's go. what you say about every draft with Cedric Mullen. No, I don't though. I just end up with him because I've got him. So he's also much, quite a bit cheaper. <laughs> yeah, I've got him so like I've got him so much higher than ADP. He just ends up on eleven of my eighteen teams. Yeah, it um, does be sticking with you. So, uh, but that being said, like, I think Straw's going to run. Like, and he seems to have yeah. this job locked down. Uh, I think he is uh, probably a surefire bet for 20 stolen bases and could easily get to 30. Um, and what maybe maybe even more than that. Like, we could, sure. we could see a 35-40 stolen base season from him. The real key is, can he hang any hang on to that walk rate that he had in the minors? 
um, or are they just going to attack him because they know that he can't really do any damage on them? Miles Straw had a 5% walk rate in 86 plate appearances last year, uh, double digits all throughout the minors. And I think that's that's the key there. Be careful overrating that 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 walk rate there because I do think that he's going to be attacked. And if he shows that he can't hurt them, pitchers will just continue to attack him and those walk rates will. And I think there is some risk to, to um, penciling in like 30 stolen bases from him like when you're yeah. running your numbers. Oh, I would not do that. Because uh, he is a guy that could easily be replaced in the season. Like if the Astros are doing well and they go, okay, our biggest weakness right now is Miles Straw should be a utility, you know, super utility guy. They'll mm-hmm. go out and get someone at the deadline. And then all of a sudden, you know, half of your stolen base total that you projected for him maybe goes down the tubes because you can't hold on to him at that point. Yep. So uh, I think he is a great supplement um, to other speed assets you're going to have on your team, but don't make him like the centerpiece of your stolen base strategy. That's fair. That's fair. I, I would say that same thing with Miles Straw. I would say be careful for sure. All right. One of the big flavors of the uh, spring training month, if you will, uh, has been TJ Antone or TJ, as you know, would say um, he has a groin issue. It's a little bit of a mild groin strain that kind of dampening things a little bit here. Uh, he's bounced up 73 picks to 270 and, and with a bullet, by the way. I mean, just people ready to take him anywhere. Um, the injury to Sonny Gray does give him an outlet to at least start in the rotation, but now he has his own issue to deal with. Is TJ Antone someone you're drafting? And if so, what price are you paying? And is it for starter or hybrid? Or I'll just take any innings I can get from TJ Antone. What, where, where do you come out with him? Um, he was a guy that I wasn't really paying attention to coming into draft season. And uh, I think that is clearly uh, been a mistake. So, um, and I, I don't know why I didn't identify him as a guy that uh, could be a Tyler Molly. Yeah, I was gonna say player this year because I was so in on Tyler Molly last year on the same team too. On the same team, so like I I don't really think he can can do that same transition too, where it's like, oh, he's 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 bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. Oop, he's in the rotation and he's gonna stick. Yeah, and I mean he has. Lorenzen has not looked good. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa! Nobody said disparage Lorenzen here, guy. Stick to your own thing. I I do think Lorenzen has a rotation spot because Wade Miley's hurt. So yeah, um, you know, but I think that. The fact that Lorenzen has struggled, they've lost some uh, some pieces in this bullpen, uh, or have pieces in the bullpen that are banged up on top of having lost guys uh, through trades or uh, just DFA and guys. Um, I think that like he, I think Antone's spot in this rotation could be locked in in the same way that Tyler Molly's got locked in last year, and so I did not rank him in my initial 150. Uh, back in February, my update that went up this morning, um, I've got him at 91, I believe. Um, I like it. And I think you'd make the argument, if it wasn't for the groin injury, that I probably would have put him higher. Uh, sure. I love the skills. I think he's got uh, a really uh, interesting uh, arsenal and, uh, you know, with a slider that I think can be elite at times. So, I'm yeah, I, I'm buying in. I think the groin injury maybe keeps his price down where I can actually get him because I was afraid that all of a sudden he was gonna be going, like in like like creeping towards the top two hundred and that's not a price that I'd be willing to pay. But um, 
I think he this keeps him in the 300-ish area, you know, 275 to 300, and uh, I'll, I'll be buying at that price. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. Like, you never root for injury, but this has tamped down the, a little bit of the hype on, on Antone. And so if you wanted to get in, but you were worried about the skyrocketing price, this might level it out a little bit, give you an opportunity to jump in there. Love the talent here. and we, definitely. We say we never root for injury, but, I mean, we root for injury. I don't. I think that's so <laughs> ghoulish. I know you do. I, no, I don't. I know that they will happen, and so I just kind of let the chips fall. But I'm never like, bro, I hope this guy busts his leg right now. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I, that, I, I'm just I'm totally kidding, but I'm not at the same time. <laughs> Let's stay on the same team. Nick Senzel is uh, plus 55 to 224, again, with a bullet. Uh, he's, he's having a big spring. This looks like, hey, man. All we really need here is health. And I say all we need. That's been a big challenge for him. But, like, the talent's in place. You know how I feel. The talent profile's in place, and all you're betting on is health. I'm going to take that gamble so often that I can spike the healthy season um, and get a superstar-level fantasy player, which is what I believe Senzel has the capability to be. Um, 10.93 OPS in spring. Like I said, he's killing it. He's really angling to have that center field job on lock. Kind of in the back half of the lineup right now, but I don't think that that's set in stone either. And I do believe that he'll lead off against lefties. That's that's my guess. Um, so I'm I'm in on this Senzel price, and I'm even in a bit higher to be honest. But 224 is where he's at in March. How do you feel about Senzel? I love Senzel. I mean, and it, it is all about health for him. And uh, last year was the COVID thing, and um, mm-hmm. just been unlucky, I think, in terms of injuries. So. Uh, I mean, I don't think we need to go too deep into him, but I, I think he, I, uh, I got him ranked as my 52nd outfielder, um, and I could easily see myself taking him a little bit higher. Probably not going to push him up too high. I don't sure. think he is a guy who necessarily has a carrying stat in fantasy, but he's one of those guys that's going to just give you all-around production. Like, I think he's going to do well in everything. Yeah, like, and I love guys like that because they allow me more options later on in a draft. You know, if I if yep. I draft a Miles Straw, then I'm not drafting another stolen base guy at that point. Like, if I'm, you know, drafting a Joey Gallo, I'm really de-emphasizing power the rest of the way, right? Nick Senzel gives me options later on, um, you know, and he's, is going later on in the draft, but, um, like to finish out my draft, like I've got a lot of different ways I can go to address things. So I, I, I like Nick sense a lot this year. Yeah. It's, it's hard not to, uh, the talent is absolutely there. And if you believe like 174 is his min in March, that's 15th round. I'm paying that all day. I'm even paying a little bit higher. I think, I think I can bump him into the top 150 of a 12 team league. If, if it fits, you know, uh, that, that'd be like really going out and getting him. Um, you don't necessarily have to do that, but if it if it came to that, I would. Look like at his projections. Out. I mean, his projections have him for 18 home runs, 16 stolen bases, um, or or thereabouts, depending on what system you're looking 128 at. 128 games, too. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's what I was going to get to, is if he plays 150, we're talking about a guy who's potentially like 25-25 or close to it. Yep, that's super game-changing. Yeah. Super game-changing. Uh, Jake McGee's up 51 spots to 270. I think it's because of the opportunity to get saves. I guess just a quick thought on, uh, because I think this is one we can kind of get through easily, how many of the saves do you think he gets? Because I know Gabe Kapler likes to mix and match, and this is a lefty and Jake McGee. The other guys being righties there. 
Do you think it's mix and match? Does, can he hold the job with any certainty? How do you see the uh, the closer situation playing out for your Giants? I think it's going to be a muddled mess, but I think he's going to be the... Um, I don't want to say primary, I guess. Yeah. I don't want to say King of the mountain, um, because I don't think it's a mountain. (laughs) Like he's, he's like King of the molehill. Um, (laughs) so like he probably leads the giants in, in saves this year, but that could be with like 13, 15. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, I'm not worried that he's a lefty. They've got other lefties that are good in this bullpen. Um, uh, I, I think he's probably going to get the first shot. I think he should. I also think that there are going to be times that, uh, you know, really, you know, the be- the heart of the lineup comes up in the eighth, and that's where he enters, or it comes up in the seventh, and that's where he enters. So I think yep. it's going to be very frustrating, but he's going extremely late. Danielle got him in round 26 Love in it. TGFBI, um, and uh, I've seen him go right around there in a bunch of drafts. I think that'll continue to rise as, as we're seeing, but I, I still think he like as a closer three, like I, I don't think you can go wrong there. Yeah. Why, why not take a shot there and get some double digit saves? He has closing experience. Uh, none of the other guys competing for that job do. And I do think that that helps to a degree. Uh, we've seen it many a time. All right, let's back, back to the hitters. Aaron Hicks, Plus 43 to 240, getting some spring buzz due to uh, you know being healthy right now. And the report that he's going to hit third in that Yankees lineup. And look, basically just say Aaron Hicks and I'll draft him. But the fact that you also throw on some good news and he's kicking butt in spring looking healthy. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. Like, it, I never don't fall for this. So Because it's not, a, again, it's not about talent. It's about health. And... I know he's had repeated health issues, so I understand those that that carry a health concern with him. But he's plus forty three up to two forty. That's still a fair price for me on Aaron Hicks. How about you? And Aaron Boone says that they're looking at him as the number three hitter in this lineup. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's uh, like, that's like the main thing. I I mean he's hitting two ninety four, four fifty five, five eighty eight in the spring right now. Um, I. I mean, this is hard because, like, I just, I just don't trust the health. I, I don't. Um, that being said, like, I, I mean, he could be. But how much do you have to trust it with that price? You don't, I guess. Um, it's co- it's covered in that price. I think I got him in both beat Paul's yeah. fours. One as a bench and one as a as a starting outfielder. Um, at least at least the way it stands right now. But I've got capable guys. Like, I don't want to derail this into a Mark Canha combo because I already brought him up a little earlier, but he's so freaking cheap. It's ridiculous. He might lead off for Oakland, by the way, just as just as a, you know, uh, matter of fact there. So um, he's going to 226 or 227 in the last two weeks in online championships. He's jumping even more. And I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, because then you start looking at like the outfielders going behind him. Jock Peterson, who actually I do like. Alex Kirilov, um, who I don't, I'm not 100% we'll see how, sure we'll he's going to see how much get... longer Jock stays behind him with the spring that he's having. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's jumping up quite a bit too. Um, Alex Kirilov, Mitch Haniger, who can't stay healthy. Like, we're, these are guys with question marks. So, uh, I got him 229 yesterday afternoon. So, like, right, St- right, right. Start right of the 20th round. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fine. I, I think it's better in a 12-team league where there is the replacement value if he does get hurt. 
I think I'd be less likely to draft him in a 15-team league where if if and sure. when he does go down, I'm feeling like, oh, well, now I'm having to look at guys like, uh, I don't even know, like, you know. Yeah, I, I haven't done a 15-team. Well, actually, hang on, TGFBI. Let me go to TGFBI's uh, waiver wire real quick here. Because honestly, like, though. I, I don't want to be like, oh, now, I, now I'm stuck with no more Mazzara. Like, you know. Yeah. And Michael I mean, A. Taylor, like you know, these are. Um, I mean, yeah, those are the kinds of guys that are available. You're, you're right. Um, but Stephen Piscotty's on my TGFBI. Yeah, and that's fine. Like you'll you find know, like, like the boring. You'll find an outfield. Like Kevin Kiermeyer's there. It's boring, but it's yeah. But he'll be injured too. I okay, maybe, but like you're talking about the number three hitter in the Yankees lineup who gets on base as well as anybody in the league, and. I'm just gonna be interested in that in any at at this price. I'm taking him in 15 teams too. I'm taking Aaron Hicks anywhere. I just think he's sure he might get yeah, hurt. Career 21% strikeout rate, uh, career you know um, 13% walk rate. Like I mean you know a guy and who's hitting well in spring. He's got power. He's got he's got some speed. He doesn't really utilize it. On True. the base paths, a ton. And I don't but... think he will much this year no, either. I mean, especially if he plays third, a full but... year, he could be like a 27-8 kind of guy. Um, with, with, if he plays a full year, Aaron Hicks is scoring 110 runs. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, and he's going... At least. Uh, he's going, you know, way behind other guys that are kind of projected for those totals. So, like I said, in a place where there's a good replacement value, I think I'm in. In places where there's not great replacement value... I'm less likely to take the shot. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Jock Peterson. He's next, plus 41 to 256. Again, this is directly related to his spring. Um, there's there's buzz that he's going to play, you know, full-time. I actually don't think that that's particularly good. I, I don't know that I, – I used to advocate wanting him to get the opportunity against lefties just to at least see, but he's done so little against them in his career that at this point I almost think that that hurts more. The, the nominal runs and ribbies you'll get just by vo- volume – I don't know that they're worth it when he has a 191, 266, 310 uh, line against lefties. It's 385 plate appearances. And, like, I understand that mathematically it takes, like, 42 years for uh, platoon splits to be, you know, mathematically sound as far as something to bet on. I can't be convinced that there's a lot to – that there's any excitement to be de- derived here from Jock Peterson facing lefties. Yeah. I mean, last time we talked about Peterson, I kind of pushed back a little bit, and I was all like, well, you know, he hasn't gotten the chance. And then after the episode, I went and did a little bit of digging. He's got a fair amount of flight appearances in his career versus lefties and just has not been able to uh, uh, produce. That being said, like, they are letting him go against lefties, like, and they're giving Mm -hmm. an opportunity, and he's succeeding in those opportunities, too. So I'm... He also has a 6.4 opponent quality, um, that baseball reference number to try to quantify, you know, wh- who they're facing in spring. Um, seven is double A, five is high A. So he's in between that level there for his five home runs and 500 batting average. I love Jock because he's a, uh, he's a low key MLB the show superstar. Like even when he was a bronze to start the year, there's just something about his swing and his card, the way it plays in the game. So I've, I, I have, very favorable outlook on Jock Peterson in general, but in fantasy, I, I, again, I don't know that these extra plate appearances 
are that great for the bottom line because they can make the average even worse. Love the power. Um, I, I want him to do well. I don't think 256 is cost prohibitive, so I'm okay with the plus 41 up to that point. Um, I would take Hicks over him, though, and they're going right by each other. So that's why I don't oh. have Jock. Basically. I mean, here, here's what I will say about the lefty situation, you know, him going up against lefties uh, kind of situation. There are only five lefties, I believe, yes. in that division, and they all suck, except for young one, uh, Kim. I will um, have an article on that, by the way, uh, division, you know, projected rotations, lefties yeah. and righties to We're see talking how... Wade Miley, who's probably who's probably not starting the year in the garb you know and he's garbage anyways we're talking Stephen Brault uh we're talking super garb Wait, Stephen Brault's on his own team no, isn't he no no Stephen Brault's in Pittsburgh is he still with them oh Trevor Williams Trevor Williams yeah. left okay so um, I confused those two and then and Trevor Brett Williams right Anderson. Anyway. like there are Bro. not a lot of lefties and really that's a great call out none of them are good in that division now they're not going to just be playing the division this year but Sure. Be playing a lot that's of that where the bulkier games are. Yeah. And so focusing on something like that does make some sense. So I like Jock Peterson this year. I've always liked Jock Peterson. I'm never giving up on Jock Peterson. That's fine. Go Jock. I, 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 I don't have a problem with that. I, I really don't. I don't think he's too expensive. I, all I'm saying is that the extra lefty played up here, because there's going to be lefty relievers too. Is he going to come out for those or is he going to play? He's been a batting average risk in the past, but he's pop. And if you can plan for that pop, Take him. I would. I would love to see him prove me wrong too and spike a big year against lefties. Been hitting third a lot too. Like that's, love that as well. Yeah, love that as second. well. So, um, you know, right, right there with Aaron Hicks, both playing third or bat, both batting third on a high quality team. Would you? You'd rather have Hicks, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'd rather have Peterson. He's just shown much a much better ability to to have a good batting average, and the Yankees lineup is better. Cubs lineup's good. Yankees lineup substantially better um all right ty france plus 41 to 290 and uh, i guess i don't have to keep saying with a bullet because most of these guys are that's why they're up these all these all these ranks here but uh, nothing has deterred folks if anything he's getting more believers and uh, i believe you are i i count myself among them do i count both of us are you ty france guy I'm, I have not been a Ty France guy. Okay. I'm starting to buy back in uh, our last conversation about him uh, and some extra digging that I did had me move him up quite a bit. Uh, into yeah, the we top talked 30. about him. We, we literally just talked about him uh, on the last episode that we did together. So we don't have to get too deep here because he was a he's a spring training standout. Um, but again, I just the, the bottom line I'll say that's all because uh, I don't want to belabor it since we did just talk about him. Check out 903 for more is that. I think the batting average projections are way low on him. I think that's where he could really deliver something in the 280 plus range with, you know, decent pop and uh, and, and and the playing time. You know, he kind of reminds me of, and this is partly partly due to just the uh, the the name the, the the name comparison. But remember Ty Wigginton and how good he was. He I was, was trying to like think a multi- of a player that had like a last name with a country. Like, are you talking <laughs> about Jeff Italy? Um, <laughs> no, Ty Wigginton, um, you know, he had those peak years there where he's popping 20 homers, you know, runs and ribbies commensurate with how much playing time he was getting, but he was regularly hitting 275 plus and, and bouncing around the field for you. And that's kind of what I see for Ty France there. And it was always a really valuable fantasy player there to plug in. So that's where I come out with France. I think he's pretty much like Jonathan Scope. 
Like, I, like, and I think that is, you know, uh, a totally fine player. Uh, I think he is going to play a fair amount. Um, so like I, and I've got him still like seven spots below scope, but I think you could easily say that you prefer France and I wouldn't have a problem with that. So. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any issue to uh, to taking Ty France at this price or even higher a bit. I think there's still some room to go up, and you're not overpaying for Ty France. Uh, Gavin Lux, plus 40 to 218. This is almost certainly tied to the uh, kind of vote of confidence that he got from Dave Roberts, who says, I really see him as an everyday kind of guy, and uh, you know, we really want to get him in the lineup at that level and, and, and really get him playing where he's a regular part of this uh, of this team. And so I'm in on that, obviously. And again, I think we got another, you know, we got a prospect here who 218, that's not a crazy price. And yeah, they're good. He'll probably bump up even a bit more, but as long as you're kind of staying in that 15th round or later for Gavin Lux, I think it's a worthy gamble. This guy's a premium talent on the best team in baseball uh, with skills for days. So he hasn't had great major league samples so far, 151 plate appearances of a 76 WRC plus, but it's 151 plate appearances spread across two seasons and multiple ups and downs. I put virtually no stock in it. Like I'm not worried. And so I, I'm pretty big on, on Lux and I'm taking him in some spots for sure. Yeah. Uh, he, this has been like an up and down, up now draft season for me and Gavin Lux. Cause I took him, uh, super early in my first draft um, of the season and then regretted it for months uh, <laughs> because it was all, you know, the more I dug into it, the more I was like, I love the talent. I believe in his talent. Uh, I think he could be a monster at the major league level. But like, I, you know, he had one postseason plate appearance. Like, sure. that was it. Like, and I think he was left off the World Series roster. Like, um, and so, like, I was like, well, if they don't trust him in the biggest spots, are they really going to give him a role? Uh, and now that they've said, like, he's going to make this team and, you know, it seems likely that he could have a pretty large role. Um, I'm right back on the bandwagon. Like, I'm, you know, and uh, I'm targeting him in drafts um, in, in uh, let's see, in my second base ranks. I have him 29th right above. Gavin Lux, but I, or sorry, right above Ty France. Uh, but again, like, I think there is reason to say I've that Lux 19, <laughs> I was just about to say, like, I could easily put him 19th. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like him. And I'm just, uh, again, that's a shot I'm going to take to potentially spike something massive because a Jonathan scope esque substance will be on the waiver wire, especially in 12 teamers, 15 teamers, different consideration. I get it. I still take him though in those leagues because, um, the, the the potential upside of that of that uh, the that ability could really be so much more impactful in a in a deeper league too. So it's like I think there's reasons to take Gavin Lux in twelves and fifteens. They're different reasons, but they both set up to say take this shot on a premium prospect on the best team in baseball. Yes, they have players who can play if he flops, but I I, I don't believe that his early indications in the majors put him to be a flop in any capacity. I, I take those numbers in and I see them, but I do not say like, oh, this is this is very damaging to Gavin Lux's outlook. Nope, not for me. Um, I'm still giving him a full shot to be a monster. I think he could be like 25, 12 with yeah. like a 260, 270 batting average. Yeah, um, and, the, and we're just putting like realistic projections yeah. out there. Obviously with a guy like this, 
uh, it could be so, so much more. Like, you know, 300, uh, 28, uh, and 15 with like, I mean, depending on, he'd have to scale the lineup, but the runs and ribbies would depend on, on where that is. But if he's kicking butt like that, then he is moving up. Yeah, I mean, That's right now he's too. hitting 417 in spring. Yeah, I mean, he gets like a hit every day. He's just getting a hit every day. By the way, welcome back to uh, welcome back to spring training, uh, Alex Bregman, or welcome to spring training. Here's uh, Jacob DeGrom for your first at-bat. How about that? <laughs> yeah, and he made him look silly. <laughs> He's just popping 100, 102 at him. J- Jacob DeGrom is going to be the number one overall pick in a lot of main event leagues. As he should be. And I, and I, and I have my KDS set with one a lot higher than I did for uh, – other drafts this year. I I have no problem doing that. I would have no problem taking him there. I think we did kind of get through the uh, Shohei Otani discussion there when, when we talked about the two homers. So I won't belabor that. Plus 40 to 176. We talked about, I mean, literally just earlier in this episode. So I think we're going to go ahead and kind of cap it there unless you have a final thought on Otani. But I think uh, I think we got to the bottom of that unless unless you got something. No, I, I think that's about it. Good All right. Well, that's there's our, yeah, there's our biggest risers. Uh, Trying to give you a few more meaty episodes here as, as drafts are popping up left and right. Got the big weekends coming up next, this one and next uh, for drafts. It's been a lot of fun. I streamed both my TGFBI or both my um, uh, Beat Paul Sport Leagues, which was really fun. I'm, I'm so excited, man. I just can't wait. I saw you live streaming yesterday on the FWFB show, yep. which was fun to pop, pope, it, pope in on. Pope I poked in, in on it, yeah. dude. It's a I was, was going to cardinal stream. in on it. I yeah. was going to bishop in on it, but I poked in on it yeah. instead. Uh, I'll be doing live streams for uh, my last four drafts. So I will li- live stream my entire Tout Wars auction. Um, I'm going to be live streaming my OC, and then I'll be live streaming both my main events. It's so fun, man. And I, so. I, I think we've really found some audiences for it, too, because I've been streaming drafts for a couple of years now. The first time I did... I think I got like four of my Twitch regulars who were kind of like, oh, you know, I, I know we played fantasy or whatever. I'll hang out. Yesterday was popping. The chat was zooming, people loving it, giving their thoughts on, you know, who, who to take next. <laughs> and I was like, I did want to be mean, but I was kind of like straightforward. I was like, hey, guys, I'm totally fine with you putting in the chat who you think I should take, but this, that, and the other. I'm not taking the opinions, though, just so we're clear. Like, these are, this is a fun guessing game for y'all to guess who I'm picking. But I've got my game plan here, and uh, we're not crowdsourcing these picks. <laughs> no, but anyway, you Justin, should you should crowdsource them. You just let me. I, make I was your thinking picks of doing you. one draft where I crowdsource, like every pick, but uh, it would need a longer timer than one minute. But anyway, let's get going, and uh, we'll talk on Thursday. Take it easy. Peace.